0: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we have consistently and unerringly beat dead horses 1d6 damage at a time for seven years running. Today, we're reviewing not one, but three role-playing games. Super Dimension Fortress Macross, Super Dimension Cavalry Southern Cross, and Genesis Climber Mospita. I'm kidding, we're American. So it's Robotech, Palladium Robotech, on System Mastery. Welcome to System Mastery i'm your host Jeff. joined as always for seven years in a row, your host John, hi, John. How are you?
1: Oh my God, seven years seven long years
0: yeah, our seven year anniversary of making all the shit that the show is based on is was yesterday uh in in record i mean this I mean the episode's going to come out tomorrow, so you'll have to take my word for it that it was yesterday as of this recording. <laughs>
1: Didn't even tweet anything. I don't even care anymore. I'm like, (laughs) it's like we're over the hill for our pot
0: I guess. I mean, seven years is a long time, and I tweeted stuff yesterday. It's just that people kept setting out ludicrous easy layups on Wizards of the Coast that I could slam dunks on. (laughs) So, So that's what I tweeted instead. I mean, traditionally, we've been doing this seven years, and in that seven years, we have become... The categorical largest opposition to Wizards of the Coast that exists at the moment. Uh, I'm sure that there are other people who think they are, but don't worry, we're the big one.
1: Ah, oh, Yeah, that's us. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: We're we're the biggest there is, and we're the slickest they is.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. And did you mention that we're the slicky icky there is?
0: <laughs> Bees. I think I might have done so, yeah. Good. So <laughs> so yeah, uh, We did Wraithu last episode. That was 470 pages plus of abject conceptual nonsense that just drove us beyond the edge of our capacity to do the show. And as such, we needed something predictable, boring, and short for a little kind of palate cleanser break. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what brought us to something I had extra copies of lying around palladium games robotech i have the seventh printing I, I john has a copy of the ninth printing but it's palladium so don't worry the shit never changes
1: yeah i don't i would love to know if anything was different between these two printings
0: i don't believe so no i mean there it would is,
1: surprise me so
0: the uh the timeline of palladium robotech is pretty interesting it started pu- publishing and printing in uh, 1986 so one year after Robotech came out, and for as far as Palladium is concerned, one year after their other licensed game, uh, TMNT, came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they maintained the license pretty much cleanly and consistently till about, uh, I think it was 2001 or 2003, where they dropped the license because there wasn't anything interesting going on, uh, hauled it back into existence uh, around 2008 to 2013, where they launched a Kickstarter that you may have heard of.
1: You may have heard of the infamous Robotech Kickstarter.
0: Now, technically, the Kickstarter took place in 2018, but I'm pretty sure the climb to it began in 2013. Uh, The Kickstarter only wanted $70,000 for a Pepsi, just one Pepsi, uh, and and we wouldn't give it to them. (laughs) Instead, they actually asked for $70,000-ish for a Robotech uh, tabletop war game, like skirmish kind of thing made over a million. They made about $1.4 million, and then over the course of a year, it just became increasingly obvious that the entire thing was a garbage fire train
1: wreck. Oh, yeah. God, it was... It's amazing that you could get that much money in and then fuck it up, but by God, if there's anyone that can do it.
0: Yeah, it's part of the long-running history of, uh, of Kevin and Palladium Games. Just... I like Kevin okay. I mean, he's... Uh, of the people in the industry there i mean let's be let's be very realistic there are a lot of shitty people in this industry mhm and and of the very shitty people in the industry kevin's biggest failings are that he is mostly not the best boss
1: yeah and uh, i mean awful with money and just sort of <sighs> a real relic but at least he's not a relic in the sense that he's like ha ha i believe in old racisms i mean he might we don't know but he doesn't at least come out and be all in your face about it
0: i think if anyone was going to know whether or not he had a horrible racist dumbass gaffe on twitter or something it would be us and i don't know of one i know he's a bad that would require him
1: to be on twitter though
0: that's true I know he's a bad boss. I know he has been credibly accused over and over again of being a thief of material that his writers wrote.
1: Oh, yeah. Just uh, taking and, stuff and slapping his name on it. Having, yeah, having I, changed a couple sentences and being like, ah, yes, a Kevin Sambita project with input from whoever wrote the rest of this.
0: Right. And I know that he has a habit of asking people to write stuff. And then while he's waiting for them to write it, changing the, the order, but only in his head. Hmm. So he'll be like, hey, man, write Rifts Australia. I wanted to have, you know, mutant kangaroo writers and basically be Mad Max. And by the time they turn it in, he's like, this isn't what I wanted. How come you put r- mutant kangaroo writers in this? But uh. this is old enough that that all those stories about rifts and uh, and the way to write rifts in Palladium Fantasy. Actually, if we're looking for racism in rifts or, or in Palladium, that's where it is. The fucking Yinsloth jungle. <laughs> but... but uh, This is written way before any of that, and if anything, the crime of the Palladium Robotech book is that it just gives you
1: the bare minimum. Oh, yeah. I mean, reading through this, I've never seen any Robotech at all. Not a single Mm -hmm. minute of it.
0: Have you seen any of the stuff upon which it is based or that is derived from the stuff that it was based on?
1: No. Nothing. From the precursor or the postcursor or the sure. cursor.
0: Yeah, because Robotech in and of itself is this weird American com- combination of three shows, which then got some sequels of its own, while the three shows also went off and did sequels of their own that are unre. It's very. It's like phylo- uh, phylogenomic taxa. It's very strange.
1: Yeah, so coming into it, I was like, okay, I know Palladium, and I know their whole thing is. Just a truckload of nonsense garbage with very little eye to balance and just a whole bunch of weird crap. And God, I was disappointed in this in that everything is just sort of like you are a person. That person has some skills. Anyway, moving on, you're a different person with a mildly different skills.
0: Right. And this is a this is a book about a a series that has some fascinating stuff in it. Uh, I mean, the aliens are aliens in the 80s anime sense where they're just blue people.
1: Yeah, in fact, well, they I, can I be big the Zentradi, if they want
0: to. I don't even think the Zentradi are blue. I think the Zentradi are, are regular human-type colors. Uh, and, and yeah, they can be... They're they're built so that they're enormous, but that they can be micronized back down to human size. Yes. Like they they used to be humans at one point.
1: Yeah, the, the I think the whole thing with them is that the Robotech Masters got humans and turned them into Zentradi.
0: Yeah, I mean, none of this is stuff that we're going to get from this book. The book basically describes them as human-like aliens, and in my head, they're blue. I don't know why, probably from some other anime that I watched at some point in history, but they have pastel hair colors, but that's just anime in general. I mean, and you know
1: what's you- weird is I had the exact same thing in my head that I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, obviously the Zentradi are blue. And I don't know where that came from. I, like I said, I've never <laughs> seen any of it. But in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, obviously, the Zentradi are blue.
0: I mean, it could be that the, the, the Zentradi... The thing about the the Robotech series is that it's 85 carto- episodes of a cartoon made out of three cartoons. And those three cartoons often have very little or nothing in common beyond the fact that each one of them features a, a villainous race that, that's threatening Earth or humans in some way, with, with the, this book only covering... The first ep, the first series, so the Zentradi. So you don't get anything about the Robotech Masters or the Invid, which are the bad guys from the next two eras. Mm-hmm. So it might be that the Invid are blue guys. I don't know.
1: I could not possibly tell you.
0: I had always thought that the Invid kind of looked like crab people. Uh, oh, so so that might be that that might be true. A- anyway, this book, like I just said, it's based on the first of the Robotech runs. So it only cut, co- and it's set after them. So even though it's got the stats for that big flying aircraft carrier thing, that the the, the SDF one that kind of dominated the Robotech art scene, that it makes very important note to tell you that 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 ship was destroyed like ten years ago.
1: Yeah, both the one and the two.
0: Yeah, I think that thing's got some cool look to it. The SDF one was neat. It's basically what if a battleship was or, or a uh, aircraft carrier could also be a big robot.
1: Yeah, which I mean, hey. Great. If you're going to do yeah. that, go for it.
0: Yeah. Rat as hell. I mean, I also have very little experience with Robotech proper. Uh, I have watched Macross stuff, uh, one of, which is one of the three roots of this. Mm-hmm. But I have not. And of course, I've watched my limited share of Gundam, which is sort of an offshoot of what this is, but that is unrelated.
1: Ooh, you're going to piss off so many people for different reasons saying that.
0: Oh, do you think, is is Gundam older than Robotech shit?
1: No, I just assume that people, if you equate any mech thing to another mech thing, they're going to be like, well, actually, you need (laughs) to know the important difference between Gundam and Robotech is, and then they'll just fart on about it forever.
0: Okay, I can tell you the important difference between Gundam and Robotech. I don't give a shit about any of Robotech, but at least Gundam wings seem pretty gay, and that was
1: cool. Great.
0: Also, there's that one Gundam series where it's, like, professional wrestlers on Earth, and the American one is, like, a surfer cowboy, and that's fucking hilarious.
1: I mean, I do at least know that the Dutch one was a big windmill, so, you know, I, yeah, so, I get it.
0: So while Robotech, as far as I can tell, generated nothing that will ever interest me, at least, I think that's G Gundam had some funny dumb
1: shit in it. Ah, uh, yes, G Gundam.
0: <laughs> that's the thing... I would be able to keep more Gundam information in my head if their names were good, but it's always called there are things like Gundam 0082 stand complex or whatever. And I'm like, what the how do you remember what that is? It's the one where there's a guy and he flies a big white robot and the bad guy flies a big purple robot.
1: Oh good. That's what I wanted.
0: <laughs> uh not here though. Here most people fly F fourteens that turn into robots.
1: Yeah. I mean, given that. You've got an aircraft carrier that turns into a robot. Why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And and again, this book doesn't necessarily tell us enough about Robotech for us to tell you the story, but there are some outside elements of of the Robotech lore that we can get into, especially as relates to Palladium, because uh, Simbita in 85 didn't just buy into this. He he went in for a penny in for a pound on this bad boy. Uh, cause he was the second American distributor of Robotech as a purchasable media. Uh, there were laser discs slightly before, uh, the RPG came out that were like four episodes of Robotech per laser disc, which is bonkers, bad compression. Mm. Uh, but then for a while, Palladium was the sole American distributor of Robotech VHS tapes.
1: Hmm. Man, I—it's weird to me every time I learn anything more about Palladium because I'm like, what is, what is this company?
0: I mean, it was one of those '80s companies that you, whenever you're reading an old thing from Dragon Magazine, like whenever you see that like Tales of the Distaff Gamer thing where they explain how you can play as D&D as a girl and it's by changing your your charisma score to a sexiness score and. And if you're a level three thief, then you're a hag. Yep. Uh then you look at the you look in the ads in the corner and it's like, ah, Jim's miniatures. Contact Jim at this phone number for information. And you're like, that is the least professional shit I've ever heard of. It's just some guy who makes shit in his garage and he put his phone number in here.
1: <laughs> but it's because that was it That's it, the, it hobby. Was the Wild West.
0: Yep. <laughs> it was the Wild West. And and uh this is no exception. In eighty five, eighty six no one was distributing Robotech on VHS in the U.S. And, you know, that's because R- VHS in 85, 86 was fucking expensive. Hmm. Hmm. And Symbita was like, I could make money by being the distributor of this for the U.S. And so for a while, it was mail order only through Palladium role-playing games that you could get Robotech in this country.
1: Ah, <sighs> This shit is bananas
0: right every time you're right every time i learn anything new about palladium it just blows my mind like i used to be more or less certain that either tmnt or palladium fantasy were going to be the first game huh. uh because you know they're they're both from like the early like uh tmnt was from 85 i think palladium fantasy is from somewhere around 88 but in 82 palladium put out a game about ancient egypt that uses a whole different engine has nothing to do with his palladium system Uh, and just, it's just out there. It it hasn't been published for 30 years, Hmm. but it was the first Palladium game. So yeah, every time we do one of these episodes, I find out some shenanigans that I had never heard of before.
1: Yeah. It's just, there's a lot to unpack there.
0: Yeah. Which lucky for us, because if we were to just keep this episode for being talking, for talking about the contents of this book, we'd have been done already and thanked everyone for their time.
1: (laughs) Uh, I mean, I know we've done several Palladium things. We should, for the people who are coming to this and are like, ooh, Robotech, I've never listened to anything else of theirs, we should at least do the the quick rundown of Palladium I mean, I garbage? I'm pretty sure they
0: already. those people already turned this off when I mentioned Gundam.
1: <laughs> How dare you?
0: <laughs> you've crossed the streams, sir.
1: I believe you've macrossed the streams. Oh, oh. <laughs>
0: Plus, you've made me mad. Okay, anyway, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, sure. Why don't we go through a quick Palladium rundown? Palladium has, what is it, eight stats?
1: Yes, indeed. Eight stats, and by God, you can sort of be okay with them back in the day when this came out, being like, hey, 3D6 down the line with no optional rules for like, oh, you could do 4D6 drop low or whatever. Nope. It's just 3D6 down the line. Uh, and the fact that that remains the rule to this day still blows my mind.
0: Yeah, no, it's nuts. Uh, TMNT, I think, was probably the first game that that uh, Palladium built that used this engine from somewhere around 1992, which, or, sorry, uh, 1985. So we're talking first edition D&D, and even first edition D&D didn't do 3D6 down the line.
1: Yeah, it is it is a decision, and mm-hmm. boy, is it a bad one.
0: And it is one that he has stuck to, like glue, for 35 years.
1: Yeah. Now, the the thing is, at least... I don't even know if I want to say it's a saving grace of this, but the fact of the matter is, there's only really one stat... Baseline, unless you're talking about stat, you know, minimums for certain classes mm-hmm. that matters at all. If you roll anything that isn't a 17 or higher, because this has an exploding uh, 16 up. If you roll a 16 or higher on your first 3d6, you get to roll another one. If that's a six, you get to roll another one and then that's it. Uh, yeah.
0: And that that will vary between Palladium books. Sometimes you get to roll one more z6. Sometimes it's continually exploding on more sixes. But whatever it is, the max is always 30 for a human.
1: And (laughs) there is only bonuses starting at 17 up, which means the only thing that matters is physical endurance because that one is your base hit points, uh, whatever the number is. But all the rest of them, the difference between a 3 and a 16 is nothing. It is just sort of a, I guess, role play differently but it doesn't do anything, which is at least a saving grace of, if you're going to do 3d6 down the line, at least you aren't fucked if you roll a 3.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that is correct. And the stats in question are uh, IQ, uh, ME, which is mental endurance, MA, which is mental affinity, PS, which is physical strength, PP, which is physical yeah, prowess, pee-pee. which is dexterity, <laughs> PP, uh, PE, which is physical endurance, PB, which is beauty. And speed, SPD, which is a direct translation to how many yards per second you can run.
1: Yeah, I guess speed is the other one that kind of diminishes if you roll lower, but there's the rules for. Not in a robot. I was going to say, I mean, for this game, who gives a shit? But also in almost any game, who gives a shit? Mm hmm.
0: Especially because speed's the easiest one to boost in the secondary market because you could just go by running and general endurance as your physical skills and get plus plus four d4 plus 2d6 to speed
1: yeah it's just so easy to boost in anything that isn't this game
0: yeah so there you have your standard eight stats you roll 3d6 down the line and you give extra d6s if you need to and like john was just saying notably this book does not have a low stat value table However, all the OCCs in this book do require some stats in order to qualify for them. OCC is the Palladium term for occupational character class. It's uh, your job. There is also...
1: Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say it's uh, specifically that instead of just class because they make a difference between occupational character class, which is something you learn to do, and a racial character class where it's just like, I'm a dragon.
0: Hmm. Yeah. If you have a racial character class or an RCC, then you don't need to pick a class because all of your education was either instinctual or just trained as as part of the way your species operates.
1: Yeah. Now, the, there are certain. <laughs> go ahead. The uh, stat minimums for this. All of the OCCs <laughs> have the same stat that they need to have at least a six or higher in. Yeah, which this is, is a mistake. IQ. Yeah.
0: So this game. Does standard OCC or, or stat requirements, which has been a thing that's been with us since early D&D, uh, and it's universally familiar, but in this book, for whatever reason, there's a minimum IQ across the board. Now, you might be thinking what we thought when we first saw that, which is, oh boy, something stupid to make fun of, or more relevantly, you can't do that because it means you can price characters out of being able to play in the game.
1: Yeah, you'd just be like, well, I rolled my character and I happened to get a five on IQ, so... Uh, This character can't play the game. I guess I make a new character.
0: Yeah, you can't be anything if your IQ is 5 or lower. So they might as well have included a rule that says, you know, if you roll a 5 or lower IQ, roll again. Or just done the smart thing and made it like 2d6 plus 6 or something.
1: Yeah, you'd think. You'd be like, what is this? It's 2d6 plus 4, so the lowest you can get is 6. Great.
0: It's so weird that, I mean, I maybe it's because we've read like 182 books at this point or whatever the <laughs> hell it is at. It's at, But when I came across that, like instantly, I was like, that's bad because that means you you can roll characters that can't be in this game. That's a very, very, very easy fix. And, yeah. and yet it, we still come across it. I, I don't think we've come across this one in a while that where where it's easy to not be anything.
1: I mean, it does pop up on the show. Yeah, now and again, where some RPG is like, ah, and all of my character classes require whatever. And you're like, oh, you can actually not be able to play this. Neat.
0: Yeah. But this, it's so weird to me that it, that you find it from time to time where they're like, whoops, forgot to include a way to play as characters. characters.
1: Uh, and I so, almost understand, at least with the IQ requirement thing, because pretty much every single OCC they have... I mean, shit, I'll just go through them. You have the two different types of pilots. So you have mm-hmm. Destroid, which is your standard mech, and Veritech, which is your plane that turns into a mech. Uh, You have a communications person, an electrical engineer... Let's electrical. See, what, yeah, an electrical engineer, field mm-hmm. scientist, mechanical engineer, or military specialist. So, like, all of them are things that you would think, like, oh, you'd have to be at least you know fairly intelligent to do this most of them are like engineers and science type people and even the pilots are like you have to pilot a giant ridiculous mech so you oh, well, yeah sure. i get it
0: I, that, I, but again that really comes down to an argument for making the IQ roll not 3d6 down the line indeed It's, it's really an argument for, Hey, everybody in this is an officer or a military veteran or someone with some degree of experience, experience and training. You can't play as someone who's the dumbest possible role on the IQ uh, chart. So we don't even include that value with the IQ role would have been a very easy way to fix
1: this. Yeah. Uh, Whatever. And
0: notably, and I, I want to get this out of the way early. I don't know much about Robotech. Uh, not very much at all, but there is one thing I do know about Robotech, which is that it was more or less the, the well, at least Genesis, not Genesis Climber, but uh, Super Dimension Cavalry Macross, more or less is credited often with being the birth of the, of the uh, idol, the anime idol as an archetype. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's something that's older that people are going to tell me about, maybe it's Lum or whatever, but... uh but Min Mei, Lin Min Mei from Robotech, and I think her real name is Ling Min 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 Mei or something like that, is a pop star singer whose music and and uh, singing and personality and dedication to the cause of Earth was like a major big deal rallying cry on the anime show for how the humans managed to turn it around and win.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the book gives a quick rundown of her, some stats, tells you about her. And, of course, is like, oh, and she's a, you know, sixth level class that doesn't exist. She's a sixth level professional singer. And like, but why isn't that a thing that exists in here?
0: That's the big problem, right? I mean, w- when you take someone who doesn't really know much about Robotech and press them, they're e- they're going to be able to name maybe Veritech. That word might come out of their mouth. Maybe Minway. And then even less likely by a little bit, Rick Hunter. And that's oh. it. That's all you're going to get out of people. Maybe Zentradi, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you'd asked me before I had read this book, I would have said Veritek and Zentradi, probably. Zentradi is is a high probable.
0: Right. The fact that the book doesn't bother to include a pop star archetype when a pop star is one of the three main leads is bizarre.
1: And I get that at least they were trying to have an eye towards, okay, but we want people to actually have something to do in the game with the other people because if you're like ah yes we've got a Veritech pilot and a Destroid pilot and someone that sings you're like okay well (laughs) what is she doing?
0: I mean I get it but the show made it work she got up in the SDF1 and sang and then uh, all the uh, pilots heard it and they were like yeah inspiration it's the original propaganda Uh, and meanwhile the Zentrati heard it and were like hmm this human singing is intriguing I desire to fuck humans.
1: (laughs) I have been cloned and told that I shouldn't have emotions, but this is making me have a stirring within my loins.
0: (laughs) I think Robotech introduced three Zentradi that got, like, major character arcs, were micronized, and became part of human culture. And of them, two of them were women that fell in love with main character pilots. (laughs) Uh, And then the third one was a guy who got, was basically like the Zenigata of uh, of this particular anime, where he was eternally getting bested by one of the main characters that was always like, I'll get you yet. <laughs> so, and and the reason that, that several of them came around and were like, I want to know about this love is because of Minwe singing. So it's very weird to me that they were like, "Ah, military. This is going to be a military simulator.
1: I mean, I, again... I kind of get it, just for the idea of like, yeah, we want people to be able to do stuff together.
0: I get it. I get where you're coming from. I don't think you're necessarily wrong. After all, it would be particularly difficult to have your party be three Zentrati pilot or three Veritech pilots, and a Minmay.
1: I mean, the big thing for me that's weird isn't so much that this game has uh, all of these very like compact, military, all on the same sort of area classes. It's weird to me that they didn't include it because they're Palladium, and they'll just throw whatever dumb bullshit they want to out there.
0: Well, I mean, we, we do make a, a pretty strong policy of re- re- only reviewing the book that we're reading at the moment, but I do know that the way that this book series broke down was that each one of the books is about one of the arcs of the robotech story so the next book is called i think it's just called like robotech southern cross and the last one's uh robotech the invid invasion and i'm fairly certain that one or the other one of those has the pop star archetype in it somewhere
1: okay yeah because i'm like if we're talking about the people that made rifts and decided to put vagabond in along with the you know baby dragon and glitter boy pilot it it is a little weird just that they were like, ah, we should try and have some balance here.
0: I mean, I get where you're coming from, but again, but I mean, to take it in a different direction, it's weird to me that this book bothered with there are two types of pilots and there are six types of not pilots. And yeah, I know that all six of them can take as an optional choice the ability to pilot Desteroids so that they can participate in the major scheme. Yeah. But but without they don't have to. And it does mean that there's still kind of two uh, uh, planes of existence in which combat takes place in this game. You've got the guys who were supposed to be in robots and the guys who aren't but could be.
1: I mean, there's... For me, there's pretty much just Veritech pilots and everyone else. Because if you pick Destroid pilot, you're mostly like, oh, well, that just means I can do all the Destroids. And I don't have to pick each one as its own skill. And the other ones, I feel like you almost would have to, in most things, be like, yeah, you pick at least one of the Destroids and that's sort of your signature one that you are in. So even though you are, you know, an electrical engineer, you're also a Destroid pilot. The other option, of course, being uh, one of you is a Destroid pilot and then you have like a mechanical engineer and an electrical engineer with you in it to repair things.
0: Yeah, that does, make, especially because some of the larger Destroids are two or three person, like the Mac 2 is, a, I think, a crew of minimum two, but can hold like 16 people or something.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you've got uh, the other ones are communications. So again, someone that could ride along with a pilot and just do all the communication stuff. Uh, the field scientist at least might want to go along to see things that they are doing. And the military specialist... Honestly, should just have piloting anyway, because their whole deal is they're supposed to be like military special ops rather than just like I'm a desk jockey.
0: Yeah. Honestly, the uh, the the destroyed pilot, the one that's supposed to be a destroyed pilot in the first place, reminds me of one of the other Palladium books that we haven't yet reviewed, uh, Ninjas and Super Spies, where... I don't know if it's a typo or what, but there are two types of martial artist and then a bunch of other things in the book. Uh, The the dedicated martial artist who knows two martial arts, the worldly martial artist who his only claim to fame is knowing one martial art and nothing else. And then 15 other OCCs who know a a million other things and one martial art. So you're like, what the (laughs) fuck is the point of the worldly martial artist? And to me, that feels like the Destroid pilot where you're like... Why? Do, why? Do, why are we bothering with a Destroid pilot? Uh, why? Why not just take it out and have all these other guys be Destroid pilot plus another thing?
1: Well, because each different Destroid is its own skill, so they just get Destroid all rather than like Destroid Excalibur.
0: I know uh, that is that is true. Uh, I, to me, though, I feel like it's rare you're going to be seeing a character hop from one to the next. They're going to be True. famous as, oh, I'm the guy who flies the Radar X, and that's my jam.
1: That's my Jimmy Jams.
0: Or I guess stomps around on a Radar X, because they're, there's not... The, 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 uh, the whole point of Desteroids is that they aren't flyers, or they are very bad flyers.
1: Yeah, they're just stompy mechs.
0: Yeah, which I noted, and I found very unusual. This book is set after the, the first Centrani invasions, and so Earth is pretty wrecked up.
1: Oh uh, yeah, there's, a good like 80% of Earth got absolutely fucked.
0: Yeah, so it's a lot of running around in wreckage, and I mean, unless you're out in space, if you're not a member of whatever it's called, the UN Spacey or whatever, then you're spending most of your time scavenging or staying on military compounds because a lot of the world got destroyed. And they mention this about every destroid is they're exceedingly useful in law enforcement. (laughs) And I keep thinking... Okay, this thing's got cannons that can shoot the moon from the earth, and it's 55 feet tall, and it can only go 20 miles an hour. I don't think it's very useful in law enforcement.
1: Oh, yeah. Every time I would look at one of these, and it was like, what's this? Oh, well, this is a mech that has a gun that shoots 57 miles away. It's good for riot control. I'm like, the hell are you talking about?
0: No, I mean, maybe it's because in 1985 you could write shit like that still and not have it immediately come under question. (laughs) It's just
1: they didn't have any guns that were like, ah, yes. And then also it has a thing that shoots like foam or gas or anything. It was just like, oh, yeah, this mech will shoot missiles or a gun that has a round the size of like a truck. Anyway, it's good for police and riot control.
0: Yeah, it just kept happening. I kept I kept expecting them to be like, "Oh, by the way, this one that is all just, you know, a walking pair of missile launchers, it can also shoot water and loud noises to try and disperse crowds." Uh, but no, it's just like this missile tank is great for riot control. And I'm like, "Jesus, I hope not."
1: <laughs> and I mean, the uh, game so- gets super into missiles because if there's one other thing I know about robotech, it's that there's a lot of missile junk in it. Like, I've definitely yeah. seen a picture of, you know, robot with too many missiles shooting out of it as a thing.
0: Yeah, I don't remember what they call that. It's something Carnival. The the, the thing where there's a million missiles and...
1: Oh, it's Carnival.
0: It, yeah, it's just called Carnival. Uh, it's a celebration with big, awesome butts and lots of huge masks.
1: <laughs> big, awesome butts. I thought you were going to say big, awesome masks, but no, of course not.
0: The masks are also pretty awesome. I just have my priorities in the right order. Thank
1: you. Mm, 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 mm. But yeah, Yeah, it has pages of stuff about the missiles. So, you know, you've got things like, all right, these are smart missiles. So you don't roll your bonus to hit. It just has a static bonus. There's Mm -hmm. 13 different, like, types of missiles you could put in here. Uh, It's got rules for blast radius and shooting down missiles, dodging missiles. Like, there is a lot of missile stuff in here. And I'm like, good, because I figure if you're playing Robotech, that's a thing you want is just missile stuff.
0: Yeah, even in these early, early days, we already had that Palladium obsession with the one-page chart that has every kind of missile on it, wh- whether or not it makes any sense for the book that it's being it being included in. Hmm. And, you know, in this case, it kind of does because obviously a lot of the Robotech vehicles can fire a ton of missiles, but they don't fire missiles the way that this book is more or less describing. Uh, Robotech was the early era of the this this thing opens up a, a plate and a thousand missiles come out, and it's a giant blooming onion of, of smoke trails, and then we cut over to the other robot, and it's doing a bunch of fancy flying to dodge a million missiles.
1: Yeah, I mean... Missiles in Robotech, I assume, are basically the same thing as bullets in an action movie, where they are unlimited until it would be interesting for them not to be.
0: That is more or less the case, and because it's you know it's a show, the missiles tend to be uh, defined by, uh, excuse me, uh, the the missiles tend to be only show show up once during a fight. Because if you're like, oh, this ship fires missiles and then it fires missiles and then it fires missiles, that's not an especially exciting you know, TV display. So obviously it's a role-playing game. It has to take that in a slightly different direction, but I wish that he had had the genre savvy at the time to be like, Hey, whenever this, this ship does a missile barrage, go ahead and describe it as a thousand missiles.
1: Yeah. Instead it's like, you can shoot a missile or perhaps two missiles. And you're like, okay, sure.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, it's basically the same thing as any other palladium, basic you-can-play-as-humans type game. Uh, there are eight OCCs that we already talked about that more or less are only de- delineated from each other by their skill package selections.
1: Yeah, every OCC as- has just a, this is the beginning uh, skills that you get, and it'll just say, like, okay, you get, you know, pilot at plus 25 and so on, and then it'll give you a selection of, like, all right, and then you can make your own choice for skills, uh, from these selections. And yeah. none of them are particularly like, oh my, and you also get the ability to do a specific cool thing. Like, the mech engineer doesn't get, say, a super cool engineer power that lets them, like, hotwire a thing, or, you know, if a system goes down, they've got the a chance to, you know, get it up and running for a little bit, for a roll. It's just all skills, and there's nothing to differentiate between anyone.
0: Yeah. There are a couple things that basically boil down to permissions that certain classes get that other ones don't. Uh, Notably, if you're playing as a Veritech pilot, then you can pilot a Veritech. And if you're piloting, if you're a Destroid pilot, then you can pilot all the Destroids. And that's it.
1: Yeah, pretty much. There's
0: there's no point where like, if you're a Destroid pilot, you can get a bonus to Destroid piloting because you've dedicated your life to it or anything like that. Nope. You just get access to the same skills. You might get a bonus to those skills. I see that. I don't think that's probably a difficult issue, but there's nothing that makes any one class feel truly like unique.
1: Yeah. If I'm a mechanical engineer and I take pilot destroyed Excalibur Mm -hmm. and I take that and decide to go into combat, that's fine. And then I can pretty much be exactly the same as a destroyed pilot in an Excalibur and that's it. <laughs> like Uh-huh. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, it, it this book is exceptionally simple. Now, you also I, I guess before we get into the uh the the robot suits that you can play in, we might as well mention that yes, it does include the rules for playing as micronized Zentradi uh which are so gender diversified that they might as well be two different species
1: yes they because the robot masters decided that uh they never wanted their creations to rise up against them so they had to be responsible for everything and that means they kept the men and women separated at all times and essentially had propaganda that they kind of hated each other because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that way they'll never get together and breed, and they will be reliant on us to continue their existence.
0: You'd think it would be easier, while you were establishing the technology that lets them break the square cube law and be 50 feet tall, that you could also just you know, make it so they can't bone down.
1: Like, but, just give know, them a quick snip.
0: Yeah, a little snippy. And, the, and, and that would probably solve that whole problem. But, but no, instead we're going to just use psychological uh, uh, tools to make them think they hate each other.
1: Yep. Uh the <laughs> the game also has the standard palladium hand to hand rules, uh which for anyone who hasn't heard any of the other Palladium ones, they have a progressing by level scale of stuff you get, depending mm-hmm. on what type of hand to hand you have. This game has basic expert martial art, but it'll be something yep, this like it does not go uh, you get two attacks to start and then plus two to pull your punch. And then at level two, you get plus two to parry and dodge and so on. Uh, And then, you know, if you're, say, an expert at level two, you might get plus three to parry and dodge instead of plus two. Great.
0: Right. And this book isn't one of the ones that has assassin as the fourth option, which is better by the end, but worse than the very beginning.
1: Yes. So the we don't, have to, we don't they... have to see that here. The thing they add in, though, that is interesting is the hand to hand combat for all of the different types of mechs. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. We have a whole set of different hand to hand combat types for each one of the various mechs, which is interesting because a lot of them you wouldn't even think of necessarily as hand to hand combat devices, or but you wouldn't think of them as robots that are supposed to engage in that. Like a lot of them have little pods instead of arms.
1: Oh, yeah, they're like, what is this? Well, I have two giant cannons on either side instead of an arm, but this is the combat training to whack somebody in melee with my cannon. Mm-hmm. The, the other interesting thing about it is, unlike hand-to-hand in every other aspect of Palladium, this is just a one-time bonus for when you are piloting that thing. It gives you a bunch of, like, plus one to strike, plus one to parry dodge, all of this stuff. And then you get just an additional attack at a couple different levels. But to start with, it's not like you get one thing and then level two, you get another. It just gives you a base package and then a couple attacks later on.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's fairly simplistic. Uh, It does make a a note, I didn't expect to see this in this book, because again, this is mostly going to be a game about mech piloting, uh, that you do get to transfer your high stat values over to your mech. Mm-hmm. Including strength of all things. So, so uh, even though this isn't a a uh, anime where the characters are doing like the uh, Pacific Rim thing where they're swinging their arm to punch, instead they're sitting in an airplane cockpit the whole time. Their strength directly carries over into the way that their robot delivers punches.
1: Which I whatever sure. You just oh, gotta yeah. imagine that like oh it's cause the the big beefy bruiser guy who's in a mech knows how to throw a punch better, I guess. So even mm-hmm. though the fact that he's not physically doing it, he knows the physics of it? I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter.
0: No, no. It's 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 a harmless distinction. But honestly, I kind of I, I kinda of like it. I don't really care why it works. I think it's smart that it does.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially given that uh this game has mega damage as a thing, which is uh normally the sort of hit points of things are sdc or structural damage capacity and this has mega damage much like rifts where it's 100 sdc but you can't damage it with an sdc thing it has to be a mega damage thing but yes exactly the punches are all like oh this mech punches you and it does a d6 of mega damage so having it be a d6 like plus two Isn't game breaking considering if they shoot at you, it's like, oh, and then if they hit you with their gun, it does 3d6 times 10.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy how they were like, oh, this, this, the Mac 2 has four giant cannons on top, and each one of them does 3d6 times 10 and can shoot 16 miles, but also it can do 1d4 mega damage if it stomps on you, but you had better be less than 12 feet
1: tall. (laughs) Yeah, why did you bother? it's, It's weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, Palladium's always had that very specific and very weird problem where they'll be like, oh, you can choose to do a punch, which does a D4 damage, or you can choose to do a kick, which does a D6 damage. It's entirely up to you. There's no difference. Yeah. where You have to, you have to ask yourself, well, isn't, isn't there actually a huge difference in that one of them is just better than the other one?
1: Yeah, I mean, the same thing for like, oh, you could take this gun, or this gun. These are exactly the same, but one does more damage. Aha! But which will you choose? Ah, but
0: availability might be a problem, you see. Uh, okay, but it'll only be a problem for a little while, and then the other gun might as well not have ever existed.
1: Hmm. Don't hmm.
0: worry about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. The we game... talking about the individual robots, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, the game has five Destroids to pick from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, the Veritech.
0: The... Which also come in a variety of types.
1: Yeah, I mean, mostly it's just Veritech or better good Veritech. Veritech.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's good there's good Veritech, better Veritech, best Veritech, training Veritech, and Veritech that's got a shitload of armor on it, so it can't do the one thing that makes Veritech school.
1: Yeah, it's Veritech, but it's stuck in mech mode, so it might as well just be a mech. Why did you do this?
0: Yeah, Exactly. Uh, where where the other ones at least are kind of interesting and, and cool. I can tell you one of my early memories of being like against Robotech in general was that when I was a little kid, I was like maybe eight, and I got a, a, a Jetfire, the Transformer. Mm-hmm. And Jetfire, the Transformer is, I, I think he's an Autobot who stands more or less in opposition to like Starscream and so on because he looks similar. He's a jet who turns into a robot, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the story behind him, though. He was not an original Transformer or an original design for the Transformers. He was a Veritech with an alternate head. Ha. Huh? They had purchased the mold from a company that made Veritech toys and used it to make a Transformer. And when people told me, they were like, hey, that's not a Transformer. It was a Veritech. As an eight-year-old, I was like, nah Jetfire's a rad Transformer. Get <laughs> out of here with whatever the hell you're talking about. <laughs>
1: uh...
0: Anyway, let's talk about the five Destroids. Why not?
1: So there's the Excalibur, which is probably one of the best ones. It kind of does everything. It's got missile pods. It's got a couple giant cannons. It's got some smaller cannons for, like, close-range fire. It's not particularly slow. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. all of them are going to be slow compared to a fucking jet that can turn into a mech. But still... Uh it's uh, yeah. kind of talking- the 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 general use one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And ultimately it's kind of the Ryu of of Destroids. It's not very interesting. It's got cool cannon hands and, you know, pop-up missile arms and so on. But ultimately, if you're looking at this one, why didn't you just pick a Veritek?
1: Yeah. It's it's just not super interesting. It's just kind of the I didn't want to commit to the bit of any of the other Destroids. I just kind of wanted all of the things that they have, but not quite as well. Mm -hmm. Because you've got, you know, the ability to kind of do other stuff. Like, you can kind of be in hand-to-hand, you can shoot long-range, you can shoot missiles, but it doesn't have the oomph in any of those areas that the other ones do.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's uh kind of a mid range, uh, an all rounder, and of course it would be very useful if it was a cop.
1: Oh, of course, it's so good at yeah. suppressing riots and uprisings, and for I'm, patrols and reconnaissance.
0: I mean, I guess some of those things are true. Like, what if a bunch of fifty foot tall Zentradi are rioting? I guess you're gonna need a big robot. I guess, but Maybe? also, I don't know.
1: what recon are you doing in the giant fuck off robot? <laughs>
0: I mean, ostensibly, it can see a very great distance, so maybe you just park it somewhere and look out the windows. You pretend to be an apartment building, and then you see who walks by.
1: Ah, the best.
0: It would be way better, yes, if Veritex came with apartment building costumes.
1: Yeah, just a big cloak you put on that looks like an apartment building.
0: (laughs) Finally, that toy office scene from Big comes to life. (laughs) Why would anyone want a robot that transforms into a building? That's very boring. Ah, but just think how good they'll be as spies. <laughs>
1: uh, all right. Uh, the Next gladiator. is the Gladiator, which is basically the only one that has actual hands.
0: Mm-hmm, it's the handy one. Uh, it's got big cannon missiles and and uh, well, cannons and missiles for shoulder plates. But otherwise, this is the one that can hold a gun and has big handies for punching.
1: Yeah, it can grab stuff it can punch people well uh it can even like rip open stuff because it's got like i guess sharpness in its fingers although it looks kind of stubby but whatever
0: yeah i mean it can shoot its laser turret which shoots for 46 per blast for free there's no real reason not to because it's nuclear powered like everything else or it can do a full strength punch for 2d6
1: yeah. So
0: so even though it's the best at hand-to-hand combat out of all of these things, it doesn't matter.
1: No, none of it matters.
0: Mhm. Then it's there's my favorite, the uh, the Mac 2, which oh, is Oh, the Mac 2 is great. It's absolutely fucking enormous.
1: Uh, compared to all the, the other monster. ones. It is the monster.
0: Yeah, it's it's completely huge. It's got guns for arms and also just guns because it's got like four massive shoulder or not even really shoulder mounts because this thing is the farthest cry from from humanoid of, of these mechs.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it basically has on top what you would think of as being like main battleship guns mm-hmm. are sort of perched on its back on top of it. And then it's got gun hands as well. And it kind of looks like the ED-209. The, the ED-209. That's exactly what I was thinking.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, it kind of looks like a way too big ED two hundred nine that's carrying a bunch of PVC pipes somewhere. Hmm?
1: Hmm. But Except man, the pipes
0: are massive cannons.
1: Those cannons.
0: Yeah, every one of these cannons, and there are four of them, uh, do two d six times ten MD, and you can fire all of them at once. Yeah. So this is easily the highest damage thing that you can that a player can pilot. Yeah, if you want to
1: shoot four rounds of 2 d 6 times 10 then hoo-hoo, you can.
0: Yeah. Now, that's not the most damage that you can find in the game, it's just the most damage that you as a player can do, because there are stats in here for the SDF-1, which had its big old beam cannon, which does fuck-you damage. Oh, it's just just
1: fiat damage.
0: It's fiat damage in a one-mile-wide, 50-mile-long streak.
1: Yeah, it's just, if this hit you, you don't exist anymore.
0: Mm hmm. So that's kind of cool to finally see Palladium uh, just, you know, gut up and do that. Just be like, fuck you, this thing does so much damage that I can't come up with a 3d6 times 10 equivalent.
1: I mean, I do like with the uh, the giant, ridiculous 2d6 times 10 four cannon things, is you can fire all four, and that counts as one of your attacks per round. Mm <laughs> hmm.
0: Now, granted, those things actually shoot bullets for some reason, so there's only 10 shots for each one of the guns.
1: Yeah, but by God, if you shoot someone in a round four times for, you know, 8D6 times 10, they're probably very fucked.
0: And again, this is the 70-foot-tall robot with no hands, just eight gigantic cannons that can shoot for miles, where their specific reading on it is, this would be useful for law enforcement. Mm, mm, mm. i'm like what law enforcement do you guys have a problem with huge amounts of robots <laughs> do they not
1: know robot law
0: <laughs> i mean i get, i have to assume that they do that earth is just rampant with giant robots that the un spacey or whatever it is does not
1: control well there is uh a zentradi outpost in south america that's just the remnants of the enemies that they were fighting that are all still going out and trying to fuck humans up?
0: And do you think that that is normally a problem for law enforcement, or would that just be something the military is dealing with?
1: I mean, I guess if you were like, yeah, we <laughs> we need a <laughs> mech as law enforcement in our town just in case some Zentradi try to fuck us up, I the guess. Zentradi-
0: <laughs> These giant centrati keep coming into our town and spray-painting humans suck on the buildings. And most of the buildings can't transform into mechs. Most of them. Some of them are actually buildings. A few of them are, of course, mechs in disguise. But most of them are just buildings. And it sucks when they get written on.
1: Oh, God.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh the, the next one after that, I don't remember. Is it the Radar X? The Radar
1: yeah, which is okay. the supposed to be the anti-air one, where it has sort of flak cannon arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and its big thing is that it also has just uh, better radar and sensory equipment so that it can track, like, fast-moving flying things to do anti-air.
0: Yeah, because it has a rotating 80s radar disc for a head.
1: Yeah. It is... It looks neat. It looks... Very interesting.
0: I mean, it's mostly, it looks silly, but it looks neat because of the cannon arms. And I, I mean, I don't I don't hate it. The thing is, no one's ever going to pick this one.
1: It's sad because it's true. You're like, oh yeah, this is, oh, it's it's great at anti-air stuff. I'm like, yeah, but couldn't I just shoot a plane with my giant fuck-off guns?
0: Or more fun, being in a plane and go do it anti-air stuff do air superiority stuff instead.
1: Yeah, go dogfighting instead of just sitting on the ground and hoping something gets within range of my guns.
0: Yeah, no whenever you make a World War II simulator, no one wants to play as a flat cannon.
1: Yeah, no one's like, I'll wait here, guys, and hopefully sure something hope, comes by.
0: I hope a B-17 comes through this neighborhood. Boy do I ever hope. <laughs> Uh, And then the last one of the Destroys is the Spartan, which is almost identical to the Radar-X. It's just that instead of having cool cannon arms, it has silly barrels full of missile arms.
1: Yeah, it's just got giant missile barrels that are its arms slash shoulders.
0: Yeah, and they are healthfully labeled M, so you'll know they're full of missiles.
1: (laughs) No, it's labeled M because it's mine. (laughs) Nobody take my Spartan out of the fridge.
0: It's helpfully labeled M because of mine. It's loaded with mines. This is a 50-foot <laughs> robot that drops mines onto the ground from 40 feet up.
1: Yeah, you know, for police work.
0: Police work, yeah. The police would do a lot better if they had some mines. <laughs>
1: uh, I absolutely love the Spartan because it is the least practical but most hilarious bot. It's uh, just, yeah, absolutely. It's just a missile platform, but they gave it legs for some reason. <laughs>
0: Right, it's just a walk-around missile platform, which, why? Missiles have incredibly long ranges.
1: Yeah, you don't need to have your missile platform have legs and walk around. This
0: isn't isn't World War II. You can fire those things from anywhere.
1: Yeah, it's just so good.
0: I love it so much. I mean, even in World War II, you could hit London from Germany with a V-1. Hmm. Hmm. And the V-1s weren't loaded onto big robots, although... You know, granted, that would have been a lot cooler if they were.
1: <laughs> be a lot cooler if you did.
0: Yeah, although that'd be the Nazis. So no, fuck them. <laughs> It'd be cooler if the Brits have a, had a big robot that walked around and shot missiles. How about that?
1: It's just weird to me that they're like, oh, yeah, this is our our giant missile platform. And it's just an artillery bot that hangs out and does that. We decided not to give it any secondary systems. Like, it doesn't even have a little dick laser or anything.
0: Yeah, and given that almost every single other one of the uh of the ships has like head lasers.
1: Oh yeah, I mean all of them have at least, you know, uh some missiles and then some guns or some guns and some smaller guns or some head lasers. Like all of them have a secondary system that's like, oh, if something gets in super close such that your battleship sized guns can't get a bead on it because it's right next to you at least you have other options this thing they were like nope just missile pods not even gonna put a regular ass laser gun in the middle of it
0: which is fun you know you'd think that'd be great because traditionally the missiles in palladium are almost always the way to go Mm -hmm. They, they do the most consistent huge damage in giant numbers forever that you could possibly want they're they're just almost always the the best possible option But here they end up being aggressively boring because there's other uh, vehicles that do the normal missile job in a more fun, more interesting way, like the Mach 2, which just does it with giant, interesting cannons.
1: Yeah. The only reason to be the Spartan is because you want to be able to do the cool I shoot 11 missiles at once thing, because all the rest of them are like, oh, you could shoot maybe like three or four. So if you want that whole death blossom, then you have to go with the Spartan.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and then there's some there's some details for like two things that the Zentradi could fly, uh, because we haven't gotten to the interesting Zentradi or, or Robotech master ships yet. So there's the the big armor suit for a giant Zentradi, and then there's the walk around pod.
1: God, the pods are so dumb looking.
0: <laughs> they're on these big old spindly crane legs,
1: and they're just <laughs> like I get that they're trying to be like oh we've got a, a several guns pointing in different directions so we've got you know area of fire we can cover but mostly it just looks like you got bug eyes and some weird tentacles on your face
0: yeah no they they don't look they don't look great but then again whatever it's early anime i mean early anime wasn't didn't always have the prettiest of robots especially not for the bad guys
1: yeah but I, do uh, like,
0: I, I, honestly, I kind of like the look of the officer battle pod, and I, would I was say
1: literally about one. to say that that the yeah, officer yeah. battle pod looks kind of cool because it's like a, like a very very slimmed down version of the Mac.
0: It kind of looks like what would happen if Wheatley from Portal Two like got a big deal upgrade, because <laughs> you can kind of see him up there in the top front, just all set to be like, no, that's jumping, but, but uh, it's not quite that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it basically looks like you took the Mac 2 and went, all right, we're going to strip three of the back guns off and just leave you with one big back gun. We're going to mm-hmm. take your triple gun arms and make them double gun arms and just make you a lot slimmer.
0: Yeah, yeah. The other ones, uh, honestly, the other ones kind of have the same vibe as the Rift's mechanoids.
1: yeah. I mean, if you've played 40k, they definitely look like those little scout walkers for the, uh, the Imperium.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I guess we probably ought to get to our favorites and least favorites, because there's really not much else in here. There's not the really. combat rules, and there's... But we've talked about Palladium combat rules a dozen times already. Even if we just wanted to do like the bare bones, this is why they aren't very good.
1: Hey, it's a D20 system.
0: It, it's a D20 system where the bonuses get too big very quickly.
1: Also, uh, it has, unlike a lot of Palladium stuff, a lot of crit tables.
0: Yeah, this one in particular has a few things that are diversionary from, from uh, most uh, Palladium shit. Notably, the uh, there's two things I would say. Crit tables are super popular. Also, it's got multi-classing.
1: Yeah, which really isn't a thing that they normally talk about in any of the games
0: and you may you may be used to thinking of palladium as being basically dungeons and dragons with a lot of the useful optional shit filed off hmm. uh because you know they they have it's basically got a, a sillier alignment system and it kind of goes on like that uh but in in this case they really worked hard to make sure that you would not want to jump classes oh yeah i mean there's a system in there for switching occs but lord knows they're like hey if you do this you made a mistake buddy
1: <laughs> you fucked up <laughs>
0: Uh, okay well why don't we get into our favorites and least favorites then Sure thing uh John, what would you say is your absolute all time favorite thing about Robotech the palladium game
1: uh I would say the best thing about this game is that it is the most well balanced palladium game that exists in my opinion with interesting the f- yeah the fact that there's uh no real like class that straight up is better. Like, oh, you have a class that is a psychic and a class that is a better psychic. It's just different focuses, but yeah, they're all true. using the same skill selections.
0: I mean, I think there is some space for them to be a little bit, more, like notably specifically, the destroyed pilot I feel like is kind of the weak link of the bunch of them. But you're right, they're mostly pretty much balanced. The one thing that also helps this game stay balanced, there's nothing to do. Oh, There's yeah. only two bad guy ships, so beat them up over and over again.
1: Well, I mean, like I said, there's the bad guys in Trotty. They'll put their battle pods or whatever power armor shit they have and go fuck around and do stuff. Yeah. But the... Yeah, I think the fact that this game doesn't have anything that feels unbalancing about it. I mean, you might be able to say, like, oh, if everyone picks like a destroyed pilot and one person's a Veritech, then that Veritech guy's going to be like, aw, oh, you guys are so slow. Come on.
0: <laughs> I want to go do a dogfight. Okay, fine. There's a flying pod. You can fight it. Yay, this is Yay. going well. I'm happy. <laughs> I sure hope I gain a level soon and get 4% better at all of my skills.
1: Yeah. And the fact that Palladium just has that sort of percentage skill per level, it means that There's no point where you're like, oh, my class hit fifth level and I got access to an entire new magic system thing. And you hit fifth level and you got plus 4% basic math. Yeah. It's everyone gets plus 4% basic math.
0: We didn't even talk about the way skills in Palladium work because we've done it seven times before. It's a... It's a system where you get assigned a ton of skills, get to choose a few skills, get to choose a few more skills. So by the time you're done, your character probably has 20 to 35 skills, and they're all percentage-based, and they all start comically low.
1: It's just percentile roll under, and you gain mm-hmm. a specific percent per level. Ta-da!
0: Yeah. There you go. Full, full story. Uh, and, and all right. Again, anyway. They, it, sorry. We were in the middle of things. Uh, go ahead and ask me.
1: Uh, your favorite thing.
0: I'm going to say my favorite thing in this game is a couple of the Destroid designs. I really like them. Uh, notably, the Mac 2 and the Gladiator, I thought, were particularly cool-looking mechs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd probably pick those. And then, yeah, the Veritechs are rad as hell. It's just that they are very per- single-driven. And unless everyone's playing as one, you're not going to get much of a chance to see them.
1: Yeah, it definitely feels like you either want to have a group of Veritech pilots, or you can do a group of, like, varied types of OCCs, but everyone's in Destroids.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what would you say is your least favorite thing about this game?
1: Oh, man. I think my least favorite thing about this game is (laughs) the fact, I mean, the fact that it is so balanced, it's the flip side of, there's nothing to really get your hooks into this game. Yeah, Uh like, as soon as you decide, all right, uh, this is my OCC, I've picked my skills, and let's say I picked, you know, uh, an electrical engineer and I've got the destroyed piloting skill for the Spartan. Right. At that point, you're pretty much done, your character doesn't really do anything more, leveling is almost pointless, it's... Mm-hmm. When there isn't anything for you to look forward to, it's it's really hard to see why you would even need a level system.
0: Yeah, you're right. A lot of this just feels like it's got stuff that Palladium has because Palladium has it.
1: Yeah. So like, there, what are we there doing with the
0: leveling? Yeah, what are we doing with the leveling system? I mean, granted, it's because this was supposed to be a, a released series of books, so I guess you're supposed to wait for Robotech Masters to get more stuff to shoot at. Uh, you're supposed to wait for. Invid uh, Invasion to get the Cyclone uh, motorcycle that everyone liked so much, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so on. Notably, I think I, I had a friend who had all of these books growing up, and there were some fascinating things that happened in late Palladium uh, Robotech that never happened in the anime in any way. For example, eventually they released a book about Robotech that was What's Going On in China, where <laughs> they had mech gladiator combat using a special mech martial art called Mech Meksudai.
1: Wow. I thought you were going to say foo, and I'm kind Close. of glad you didn't.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not that far off from the mark. Uh, so, s- just so you know, there, this is just the tip of a big iceberg of weird shit. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, my least your favorite least favorite. Uh, I'm going to say there's not enough to... Well, you said yourself, but I'm, I'm going to back you up on this one. There's not enough enemy types. There's not enough reasons to be playing this game. If, if they had set this during the initial Zentrati invasion of Earth so that you actually had hordes of enemies you could go out and fight and take off from the actual SDF-1 and listen to Minmay sing My Boyfriend's a Pilot and because <laughs> that's the name of that song and, <laughs> and so on. That would be kind of fun and interesting but to set it afterwards is like well, what are we doing? We're fighting that one hub of Zentrati in South America? I don't care.
1: Oh yeah, the fact that you go to the sort of lore section of this and it's like this takes place in between the various like shows so it's just in a the reconstruction period of earth and when all you've got is like yeah i guess you're just gonna be i don't know hanging out in alaska and maybe you'll go on a mission to fuck up some dudes in south america but that's like that's it man (laughs) there's not a lot going on here (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, they, it, they, I feel like that's a big mark to miss. Mm-hmm. And we, we've seen this a bunch of times. It's weird that we keep seeing it where where uh, they set the, the story after the story.
1: Yeah, they're like, oh, well, I've got this awesome idea for a story, but I want it to happen the way I want it to happen. So it happens that way. And then you can play in my world.
0: I spent a ton of money on this license. And then I'm going to set the license about 10 years ago. And Or in the case of Wraithu, uh, which we just covered, I'm going to set it 10 years before anything interesting happens.
1: Yeah, it's a weird choice that some people do. And it, it seems
0: so common.
1: Yeah, it's again, I think it's just like, oh, we want people to have the opportunity to, you know, live outside of the story since they've already seen the story. And you're like, yeah, but the story was the interesting part.
0: Yeah, that's the thing you paid all the money for. Without it, this is just RoboPunch.
1: <laughs> mm, delicious robo punch
0: mm, so oily and with only a few iron filings in it
1: <laughs> would you like a nice robotic punch
0: <laughs> oh sure what
1: flavor uh spartan
0: oh okay that sounds
1: delicious thank you
0: uh, okay well would you play this game
1: uh i have before and i would not in the future
0: I've never played this one by itself. I've played the Macross Palladium game by itself, and I've used stuff from this in other Palladium games.
1: Yeah, we had, back in high school, our uh, GM ran pretty much just a Robotech one-shot, where we were all Veritech pilots, but we were sort of new recruits, so we were out there training, and we got our call signs, and that was the whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is it. Sounds fun.
0: Okay, well, yeah, I don't think I'd play this again either. There's a lot, even among Palladium games, there's stuff that's got more there there.
1: Oh, yeah, there's just nothing, as I said, to sink your teeth into. There's nothing to really grab a hold of and go like, yeah, I'm excited to play with this.
0: What would you say, I mean, this is an off question that doesn't actually count as an official question from System Mastery, so feel free to tell me to fuck off. In fact, go ahead and get it out of your system
1: now. Fuck off.
0: Thank you. What Palladium game that that does exist would you feel like you're most likely to play?
1: I mean, most likely to play is probably Heroes Unlimited. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most probable to play is Rifts.
0: Okay, that's fair. Uh, I think I'd be most likely to, if I were to seek one out and play it, I would be reaching for probably Nightbane because I think it's just stupid as hell and fun.
1: Yeah, I think it's stupid as hell, full stop.
0: Okay, there you go. All right, well, there you go. Uh, I, we, neither of us really wants to play this again, but it was a pretty fascinating thing that did exist. It's a little chunk of history, and it's a great way for us to cap off seven years of the show because Lord knows we've done Palladium quite a few
1: times. Hell yeah, seven years, and we haven't changed just like Palladium hasn't. We still offer you the same quality <laughs> content day in and day out. And speaking of quality content you could go over to patreon.com slash system mastery and get so much more.
0: (laughs) Just so you know, we don't offer any quality content, but if you give us enough on Patreon, we're thinking about trying.
1: Yeah, look, once we hit that 3k level, we're going to look at getting a pig so that we can have the pig make quality content.
0: Obviously, we can't. It's taken us a while to prove it.
1: Yeah, but now we're pretty sure a pig can make good content.
0: Absolutely, so uh, why not head down to patreon patreon.com slash systemmastery support us at the one dollar level. you get bonus content for episodes like this one where we're going to go make Robotech style characters and come back and tell you all about them.
1: Yes, indeed,
0: that's what we'll do. That's what we always do and and uh, once again, you can find that at patreon.com slash systemmastery. Heck of a good deal. great All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening uh i'll see you in a week i guess both of us will i'm not i just don't want to speak for john
1: i won't see anyone ever
0: yeah yeah he's just keeping his options open look i don't think you and john ever established that this was exclusive
1: no look i gotta keep the field open okay
0: yeah dude's gotta play the field he's not just a one podcast man it's true speaking <laughs> it's true really true but speaking yeah go for listen myself, to
1: arms of the tide you can go find that Google Arms of the Tide, the actual play podcast that I'm in, and it's great. It's very yeah. anti-capitalist.
0: <laughs> Unlike this show, which is exceedingly pro-capitalist. Oh, yeah. Buy stuff.
1: <laughs> buy our books.
0: Yeah, buy our books. Only I think one of them is ava- or two of them are now available, although one's just for pre-order. Yes. Yes. But do go. Go forth and buy our books. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks with exciting more System Mastery content. Until then, you have a good one.